everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. I am in the podcast studio with one of our Watermark Institute students who's actually on the equipping team. So we get to see each other quite regularly. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Annabeth Allen. Ooh, that sounds nice. Um, yeah. Recently married? Recently married. Yeah, I got married uh, seven months ago. Seven months. Going on eight months. Going on eight. So crazy. Time flies. Annabeth, tell us a little bit about you. How'd you come to know the Lord? And then fast forward, where are you at today? Oof, yeah. I, um, by the grace of God, was born in a Christian home, raised by two awesome parents who loved each other, uh, showed me what a good godly marriage looks like. And my dad has, both my parents have worked in ministry uh, most of my life. And so I grew up very much involved in the church. And so thankfully got to know what the gospel meant at a young age. And I accepted Christ when I was, I think I was five years old. Yeah, five. So pretty young. Yeah, pretty young. And I truly am like, I I knew what I was doing. I really do uh, believe that, and um, I asked a lot of good questions when I was young. Are you a question asker? In I general? am. Yeah, I like to know the context of things, and I just want to investigate. Yeah, it's good. But yeah, I asked a lot of questions when I was young, and so I think uh, you know my parents were faithful to give me the answers I needed to where I could truly accept Christ uh, at that age, and then. Um, Yeah, I mean, when you're, like, five, I don't think anything crazy happens. Not any, like, hardships or persecution. (laughs) Yeah, not in my life, at least. Um, And so, um, but, yeah, and then I I was baptized when I was 12. And then I, um, yeah, just continued my life, um, carried on. I think when I was in middle school, that was when I started to see the value of reading Scripture on my own. And so I um, fell in love with reading the Bible um, developed that habit pretty early on. But I think the issue was getting the head knowledge to the heart. And so I struggled a lot with um, just like legalism and living as if I needed to do a lot of things to earn God's favor. Um, and so I definitely struggled with that in high school. I kind of overflowed into that. And, um, you know, I was a good kid. I I didn't do anything crazy in high school. Um, but I think I struggled a lot with just shame and guilt and thinking that God's love was conditional based off of my performance. And so I struggled with that a lot and um, just a lot of perfectionism. But I think there was a moment, I think I was a junior in high school, where I truly was like, I felt like I was living a double life. Um, I wanted to please so many people, but then on the inside, I just felt like I was just falling apart. And so I came to a point where I was like, God, I can't do this. I literally am like, I'm, I need your help. I just need you. I feel like I for the first time, really reached out and grabbed his hand. And he was just holding it out the whole time, like wanting me to ask for his help. Yeah. So I think that was a pivotal moment of the beginning of when I started to make my faith my own. And then when I graduated high school, I took a gap year. Um, Ooh, in between. unconventional. I know, right? Yeah. But it was honestly the most transformative year of my life. I was 18. I went to a Bible school in Australia for um, no a couple months. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's called uh, Torchbearers. And so we had, you know, lectures every day and homework and, you know, ministry opportunities to have some hands-on experience. Um, but I think getting out of the Christian bubble that I grew up in was super necessary for me to figure out 
Where, what do I believe in me apart from my parents? You know, what's my faith look like on my own? And so I think that was a big turning point. I felt called to ministry uh, at 18 and wanted to study the Bible as much as I could. And then I went to DBU. I graduated with a degree in philosophy and a minor in biblical studies. During college, I met my now husband through Pine Chase. Cove. Chase. Yeah, we were Shout that. out to Chase. Yes, he was also a huge turning point for me in my life uh, of just showing me God's unconditional love and favor towards me. Um, but yeah, we met at Pine Cove, dated for two years long distance, and then we both graduated and got engaged. And then seven months later, we were married. And then two weeks later, I started the Institute. And here you are. <laughs> and here we are. And today we are talking about <laughs> Exodus 7. Yes, Exodus so, 7. set it up for us. Okay. Give me a 30-second flight. For sure, for sure. Okay, so what we got here is Moses and Aaron coming before Pharaoh, and um, this is the first time that Moses asks Pharaoh to let God's people go. So Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh, and um, Pharaoh asks Moses to prove on what authority does he make this request uh, by showing miracle. And so Moses is like, okay, I'm going to do it. So he throws down his staff. His staff turns into a snake. And everyone's like, whoa, that's crazy. And then Pharaoh's like, no, I think I can do that too. He's like, hey, oh, you you think that's impressive? Right. Like, let me get my guys. You don't yeah. know what's coming. You have no idea. And so he calls his magician guys and he says, you know, that's nothing. These guys can do the exact same. So the magicians come out. They get their sticks, and their sticks turned into snakes as well. And then Moses' snake eats up their snakes. Which is kind of wild. Which is crazy to think about. So um, people are tracking uh, tracking along in the journals. Mm-hmm. They saw this note at the bottom of today's page that was like, hey, we're going to talk about these Egyptians and their power yeah. in today's episode. What do you make of that? The fact that these magicians could turn the staffs to snakes as well. You know, when I was looking up um, some commentaries on this, um, I think the general idea here or what people take is either, um, you know, they truly were using demonic forces or, dark, you know, dark magic, powers of Satan, stuff like that. Or, you know, I lean on more on this side of they were using illusions, you know, some form of some magic tricks. Like um, you'd see an illusionist do today. Yeah, I've, I've been to some good mag- magic shows and— I have been fooled. Yeah, um, me too. But I didn't think he was like a god or something, you know? Yeah, so I, no. I was like, no. Nah. You're just doing illusions. Yeah. That's what you do. Pull a rabbit out of a hat or a exactly. staff into a snake. Yeah, and, and too, and later on, they, you know, we move on to the first plague where Moses turns the water into blood. And and then it says that the magicians did the same thing by their arts by turning water into, into blood. And by that, I saw, you know, all it takes to turn water into blood or water red is— through dye or something like that. Yeah, so, so did they actually, or was it just they were uh, imitating right. what they saw God doing? Yeah, I think, yeah. I Again, I lean on more of the, it was an illusion, but— But you could believe— You could. It, that they had demonic forces, and that there are plenty of scholars who, who have that conviction. Yes. And that's okay. Oh, yeah, totally. And I think, too, it's, you know, good to point out that they could duplicate— the miracles that Moses and Aaron did, but they weren't, like, alleviating the problem. They just added to the problem. And so I think 
what the author wants us to get from this is that— Verse 17. Verse 17, yeah, I want to— Read it for us. Yeah, verse 17, it says, Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and and it shall turn into blood. And so I think that phrase of, by this you shall know that I am the Lord, and and I'm sure, you know, we'll continue to see this because we see this language a lot through the different wonders and signs that God does um, through Moses. And so the whole purpose of this is to show uh, God's glory and to put it on display and to show that the God of Israel is the only one true God and not, you know, any other God that the Egyptians believed in. And yeah, and I think it's good to know, to ask those questions of like, how on earth did the magicians do this? But the biggest point is that in the end, God still gets the glory and God is more powerful than them. Yeah. So my question to you, Annabeth, would be, hey, how do you, we're about to be out of time. How do you look at this passage and personally live differently? We wrestle with all these ideas, the magicians, the powers, the water to blood, the snakes. God's up to something. What, what do you, what's your takeaway? For me, when I personally was just reading through it the first time, I think what stood out to me was the fact that despite my plans for my life or, you know, the Egyptians' plan, Pharaoh's plans for his, what he wanted or the magicians and what they were scheming, God's plan cannot be thwarted. God's plan will always prevail, and he's the one who is sovereign over all things. Um, and so for me, I think it's do I trust God in my life? And do I give him the glory in my life? And in my mind, whenever I was reading this, and it's Proverbs 69, where it says, the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. And so I think for me of like, despite man's schemes or how I want to plan my life, the Lord is ultimately the one in control. And that gives me peace. That gives me comfort knowing that no matter what I do, he knows what's best and he's going to guide my steps. Yeah. And then through everything in my life, it's God who gets the glory. Like in verse 17, um, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. So, you know, the good and the bad in my life, I've seen the Lord's faithfulness time and time again. And so I think that's my biggest takeaway. Love it. Thanks for being here, Annabeth. Of course. We are running our contest this month. Let us know how you're joining the journey. Share to social, tag Watermark Church. You can enter as many times as you want. If you're not on social, email journey at watermark.org. We want to see what you guys are up to. You guys should do it. They should. They you really should. should. And as always, I am so glad. We are so glad. Mm-hmm. We're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe, because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.